Welcome to Old Dog New Tricks. Everyone has heard that saying before, but today we are putting that theory to the test. My co-host John and I are focusing on vampire attacks and how the speed of business in crypto, and we are comparing crypto to the slow movement of traditional business and hostile takeovers. So how are we doing today, John? I know we got some Good, good, Austin. This is a fun... Inspiration on this one. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun topic for yeah. me. Actually, when you brought up the topic and I started to think about it, it reminded me of a couple of old school cases on the topic. And it's really fun to look at the idea of vampirism and hostile takeovers outside of the crypto world and the traditional world. And then in your world, the crypto world, and look at and compare to the two. Yeah, yeah. Hey, as without further ado, as a way of getting started, the first thing that came to my mind when you brought up the topic was I thought of Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Yeah. And Coca-Cola has had such a an interesting uh, history. It got started at the turn of the century and grew in popularity in through the 20s, 30s, and then into the 40s. And if you wanted a Coca-Cola, there was pretty much only one of two ways you could get one. You could go to a soda fountain. I know you probably have never been to a soda fountain, but they were in all drug stores. <laughs> there was a there was one at the, in Tampa. They had the old beating house or whatever had a soda fountain. Okay, so you'd go to the soda fountain where the soda fountain would mix the syrup and the yeah, carbonated really. water. And I have to say, it was a superior experience because you could get a squirt of cherry or you could get a squirt of vanilla, and they were to die for right or you could get a little stubby bottle. I want to say that they were six and a half ounce little stubby bottles of Coke, glass bottles. And the Coke's major distribution system throughout those decades was the development of these little cute red vending machines mm-hmm. that sold only those stubby Cokes and sold them for a nickel. Every other gas station in America in the front next to the front door had a stubby little red Coke machine with a little lever handle, metal lever handle. Oh, it was just right. And at a nickel. And you and got a stubby little nostalgia here, John. He's leaving. Yeah, he's yeah, sorry. It's stubby little Coke. <laughs> but this is part of the this is the part of the setup Imagine. for making a critically important point. All right, that's here. And and every soda fountain, which was part of a drugstore on the side of their building, had a sign that Coke provided that said Coke, a nickel. And this went on for a very long time. And Pepsi and others were clear also rands, and Coke was really part of the fabric of Americana. One little known factoid that I think is pretty interesting is that Dwight Eisenhower in World War II, he was the Supreme Allied Commander, and the president of Coca-Cola were hunting buddies. I, you talk about intertwined. And in the belly of every battleship, there were these heavy wooden crates full of bottles, those little stubby bottles of Coca-Cola. And I swear that's what kept the servicemen going, just fill them full of sugar water. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And but here, so all of that structure got put in place, a nickel Coke and stubby little glass bottles in in gas stations and uh, drugstores front of drugstores. So what Pepsi did is, I want to say this was the early 1950s, maybe around 1955. It put its drink in first a 10 ounce and then a 12 ounce bottle, not a 6.5 ounces. 
And it had other brands like Fanta Orange Soda. And it built a vending machine that could handle those larger bottles and just those bottles. And in, in your world, this is happening like really slowly over time, but this was actually a thing. Five decades. Because of- <laughs> Coke was – think. here's the point. So Coke was in, so entrenched in its own structure. It was selling nickel Cokes and stubby little bottles and had this massive distribution system for these machines that you can't change out nationwide in a, in a week or a month or months. Yeah. And it, it took Coke several years to make the changes. And ultimately, Coke continued to be, you know, a prevalent, strong competitor, but it allowed Pepsi to put itself on the map, mm. was the point. And it was because of Coke's rigidity, not with only respect to the physical rigidity of the five cent Coke in the stubby little bottle, but also their being in love with their own product. We are America, we're Coke. And the and I make that point because the you lazy can have incumbent a f- doesn't really need to innovate or try new things because we're already here. We're already the top Correct. dog. And that's a great example of a mental structure that can have every bit the negative consequence of a physical structure, like a little machine with bottles that are too small. <laughs> you know? The average uh, American wanted a little bit more. They didn't want to buy two sodas. They wanted to buy the larger bottle. They wanted to have different flavors. They were tired of drinking the same flavor for two, like 25 years, right? Exactly right. Yeah, more like 45. 45 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, absolutely. And it's, it's instructive. A great parallel to current structures of competitors in the spaces of crypto, the Looking at like Uniswap versus SushiSwap, we had that large, large scale, what they referred to as a vampire attack. So if you don't know what a vampire attack is, pretty much users of crypto get targeted, or users of Uniswap get targeted to incentivize them to bring their liquidity and their capital to a different platform through token incentivization. So Sushi was giving out an insanely high APRs to attract all of the liquidity from Uniswap and in the short term did a very good job. I think it pulled like somewhere close to 40 to 50% of their entire liquidity on Uniswap over to SushiSwap for a short period of time, but also was able to entrench them as pretty much like the second, similar to Pepsi. Like they didn't take over like Coke. I think Coke probably is, I don't know the details, but Coke is probably a little bit still larger brand than I would say a Pepsi. Uh, And then they're able to entrench themselves at that, as that competitor, that secondary person very easily, right? They didn't have to do a lot of legwork to, to do this. Similar to, I would assume Pepsi had to do a lot more legwork because that's all physical items. But the speed of which these things happen is absurd, right? You know, how it took, what, probably 20 years from what the story you're talking about with the invent, the multiple flavors. Yeah, yes, and I think this is something that really would be something new to think about for OWGs. Because when we think of this Copepti example, or take something that should appear to be more abrupt. I think that in thinking about the speed with which this these dynamics can play out in, in, in crypto, it's really instructive for G's because our OWG's frame of reference is hostile takeovers. It would be the closest I can think of. And hostile takeovers, it, in a way it's a misnomer because you have this idea of these this renegade acquiring company that r- runs into yeah. a board meeting and with hatchets and such. And at the end of 
the yeah. event, <laughs> they are the new owners of the company by acquiring proxy votes. Commandeered or, the ship. Yeah, but either through proxy votes or making a tender offer or bidding up the stock price. Actually, one of my favorites, which your generation, I think, could appreciate, is that you're familiar with the Kraft Food Company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what you should think of when you think of Kraft Food Company is mac and cheese, right? Yeah. They, for, they make a lot of other products, but I just like to use mac and cheese. Yeah, but for, the, you know, the mac and cheese is definitely for this most, example. Uh, yeah. yeah. So a number sure. of years ago, Kraft decided that it wanted to own Cadbury chocolates in the UK. So the primo high-end confectionery company for England. They're going to buy it. And you could, you just could imagine the kerfuffle at Cadbury, the tradition yeah. of good British. They actually don't make that great yeah. chocolate compared to the Swiss and so on, but it's their high-end stuff. Yeah. They're going to have the mac and cheese company buy them out. Yeah. The powdered and, mac and cheese company. Yeah. yeah. But, and you laugh, but actually they, the leadership of Cadbury actually consulted the British government to see if there's any assistance. This is just, this can't happen. It might even go to tourism or something. We can't have this. But I maybe like the share price was, I don't know, 12, 13 bucks a share. And everybody's saying, no, that would be an awful thing. And Kraft turned around and bucked up the share price to 15 or 16. And all of a sudden, it's, well, maybe it would be all right. I guess we could live, live with it. 20% bump, <laughs> worth it. All of my dignity for the 20%. Precisely. <laughs> so the mac and cheese company bought the Cadbury chocolate. And that's how the story went. But even yeah. that, we laugh, but that process took an expanse of time. And all yeah. hostile takeovers, with rare exceptions, take expanses of time. They're in the public domain. The most sure. recent one, which would be a great example, would be, and sure. uh, yeah, is a, a great, great example. Plan. Yeah. It's in the news for a while and what's going on and so forth. But what you're dealing with, which really captures my interest in with vampiring, if you will, in crypto, is the, is the time frame. You almost, it seems to me, you can tell me more about it, but it seems to me you'd almost have to be like a day trader watching volume. And you start to see volume shifts yeah. and you say, hey, what's going on What's going on here? here? There's opportunity here to, that arises. And we've seen that super recently as well. Not just that. The older one was the first Uniswap, SushiSwap was probably the, the historical reference of what a vampire attack is. Everyone equates that to that move. But right now we've seen an indirect vampire attack with Blur and OpenSea. So if you're familiar with any of the pretty much NFT trading markets, there's so many marketplaces now. OpenSea pretty much solidified themselves as the number one seat for uh, the past about, I don't know, two years or so, maybe three years of NFT trading. And all of that has pretty much been flipped on its head with the blur coming into the scene. So a company that started probably around six months ago, I would say, is when they first came onto the scene. Um, until I think two months ago had pretty much maybe 10 to 20% of the OpenSea volume they took away from them just by having a little bit more speed of which you can list and buy and sell. It's really focused on like the power user. They're trying to go for that. So pretty much what's happened is now all volume has gone roughly to, they pretty much had an airdrop. So everyone got blur tokens if they if you had been using their product, right? So uh, I literally 
was given practically $10,000 of money to, to because of my usage of their platform. And again, when you see these like vampire attacks, like why would I support a company who I've already had qualms with? They don't upgrade their stuff. They don't listen to any of the feedback people give them constantly. Um, they don't improve their platform. It's been the same since for the past two years, very minimal improvements. Still a lot of the same hangups into a company who now just came onto the scene, gave me 10 grand practically of tokens, and then has better features or if not better features, the same features with better real time. And you can buy from, you can still buy from OpenSea if you want to, like it's all on the same platform now. So there's a lot of incentives here to make these moves. And we see with crypto just how fast these things happen, right? Like it literally took a couple of months to for a large bit of the volume to go away from there. And again, there is some issues with it. There's some wash trading stuff going on for sure. They're, incent they're incentivizing wash trading essentially um, on their platform, but they are gaining a lot of the usership, right? Like it, I would say OpenSea still dominates the daily users, but just similar to how you were talking about Pepsi and Coke, they don't need all of them. They just need a, a 10, 20% to make a viable product and be a successful company. And you can see how even with crypto, maybe at the short term that people, just how SushiSwap maybe went back to Uniswap eventually because they had, they came back and buffed up their product. It made, put the fire to them really easy. Coke may not have done that. It took years to do it, but when it instantaneously you lose 50% of a user base overnight, um, I guarantee you they're flipping and flopping around like fish out of water over at the open sea place. They're like, oh, we're dropping our fees and we're doing yes. this. And they're trying any way to get back people, call people back. But again, you've already did the damage by not listening previously when we've asked you for upgrades and stuff like that. The dictation of the customer is right and the you can vote with your wallet and crypto is extremely powerful and i don't think that's anything that's ever seen in like traditional business ever um the power to the user and the actual customer of the product is key here and they and if you don't focus and make centric moves around your customers then someone will and take all of your liquidity and volume yeah. pretty quickly yeah the speed is unmatched there's no yeah. doubt about yeah. uh, uh, about that and what it makes me think about when i think of you and the world of smart thinking on the ready crypto investors yeah. like you is it makes me think about the concept of stock screens and stop losses in, in, in trading where mm -hmm. if you can second by second track liquidity movement, of multiple companies, liquidity, movement of the customers themselves, and the volume of trading. If you're able to follow those three dynamics and you could set up a, a program that flags certain movement in those three arenas that's outside of the norm, you can, tra you can track historical trends. You're a techie guy. You can look, track historical trends where you can differentiate movement away from the mean regression to the mean yeah. and then when it gets into a, a standard deviation tail just thinking about it in in, in those simple terms. terms and then yeah and, and then the bells go off okay put the microscope on these two players that kind of thing because yeah, sure. i do believe that as more and more 
capital is attracted into crypto, and I think it will be, that this area and sophistication in this area will grow. And the faster and the more accurate you are, the more rewarding it will be. So it has a financial component and a gaming component, which I'm told you guys like both of those dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard the younger generation likes games. I yeah. don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play a real game. <laughs> yeah, the money game. Welcome. That's how, that's literally, that's like the funniest thing too. Because like me growing up, I was always into specifically like economy games. Like I liked the aspect of the trading. I like most of the games that I were playing were to as like RPG, which is like a role-playing game. But at the base level, there the what i was most attracted to was the economic trading portion of it so i would get items from these rarer items and then buy them on the cheaper side when people were trying to sell them quickly and then just hold them and resell them for 30 40% profit and that is what i felt was the game aspect like my character was garbage but i was just like the resell guy and i enjoyed that aspect of it this really plays into the fact that this is now the game Right. Like I, I've grown up and don't play that many video games anymore. But now, now, now this is the trading game that I've been looking for my, my, my right. entire life. The, the uh, world stage for you. Exactly. <laughs> and we've seen a lot of people. My the other podcast we do, Nerd, Nerd FT Radio, the, the RSG is my co-host on that. And he, he was the same way. He was like, yeah, one of the games I grew up, I was I played RuneScape all the time. And that had a big economy and get in big, big trading centric platform and now i'm i've converted it all into nfts practically because that's where my knowledge base has come from for years of playing these things so you get my mom's growing up it's like you're wasting your time with all these video games and <laughs> <laughs> maybe not mom hey i'm learning economics leave me yeah. alone lady i'm getting get out of here i plan Supplying on buying, you a, I plan and, on buying uh, you a car <laughs> just leave me alone <laughs> uh, just leave me alone about it but yeah you see the huge shift in just the entirety of business and the speed at which it was done even from when you were younger with the invent buying stocks and i'm sure it was a lot more difficult before the internet absolutely and now with with the internet only and in, did the data side all the money portion of it still is very lagged right like you you still gotta wait three or four days to do something big Settle, or, you say, know, yeah, moves, settlement date uh, can be days away from the settles. Yeah. yeah. Not, exactly. I can settle by in three days in crypto land. That's months. Yeah. Realistically. And traditional trade, trade date and right? settlement date in your world are almost coterminous. <laughs> not so oh, much. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's instantaneously within a minute or two. Movement is huge. And again, it's like a market that doesn't rest or sleep. It's global. And there's just so many facets to it that it can change so greatly so quickly. Yeah. You know um, what you could yeah, help but... me differentiate, Austin, when I think about this yeah. is in the crypto world, you have mm, categories of crypto, if you will, from what I've learned. So we have the basic coins like Bitcoin, Ethereum, sta other stable coins, etc. And then we have the blockchain technology that enables smart contracts and enables things like OpenSea and the idea of NFTs and such as that. And then that gets training. elaborated into other areas of, I guess I'd call it artwork. We were talking about checks last week, for example. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, other players like SushiSwap and Uniswap. And in your view, of those players out there, which are the ones that are most vulnerable to or subject to the the vampire's hunt? 
That's a good question. I would definitely say that any incumbent that has most TV, TVL, which refers to as total value locked, so most liquidity, most volume, pretty much in every category of crypto, right? I think they do have some pretty high risk of being taken down and shifting super quickly, just how we saw with the age of the internet kind of expansion, like which browser we're going to use. We saw everything, Netscape, AOL, all those fell to the wayside when something like Google came out or whatever. So there, there we st I still think we're in that Netscape, AOL type era, and we don't know exactly who's going to be the top dog. But literally, <clears throat> Uniswap, I would say, really did... It's really if the company is able to pivot and restructure and doesn't have, you know, that my product's the best, I can and doesn't need improvement type mentality with of other traditional business, like how you were talking about Coca-Cola. But yeah, just how OpenSea took the wayside. Any marketplace mm. is open to it on the NFT and crypto side, especially with the, like the, the push of layer twos on Ethereum to reduce gas fees and stuff like that. Each one of those has it's a Uniswap copy and a Sasushi swap copy and a every single one of them has another copy of it or open source copy of them operating on the layer twos until those large companies bridge to that that other chain, right? There's so many there's so many layer two chains. All of them have liquidity needs. People want to explore them. And so pretty much every literally every turn there is a competitor looking to take your position away with some small increase and it only takes one thing like you just make one little improvement on okay, there's MakerDAO and Aave which is like the borrowing and lending platform so those are good examples too MakerDAO was the first one to create the whole like collateralized debt position so you can take your Ethereum and lock it up and then pull the value out pretty much essentially taking a loan to yourself Ave came back and said, we're going to do that, but we're going to add the ability to collect interest on top of that Ethereum while you're holding it. Like the Ethereum can still be working for you while you're taking a loan. Um, and then that kind of introduced an Ave ripped up and explored and took the Pepsi seat of the borrowing aspect. Then you see platforms that utilize both and then stuff like Curve Finance shows up where they're also lending and being able to trade the assets for fees by using them as liquidity. So it's just realms, every single one borrowing, the actual marketplace, the NFT side, the NFT lending and borrowing side. That's something that's new that we've seen a lot with stuff like Ben Dow, which and NFT Fi. They're now letting you take collateral on your NFTs and use them as pretty much collateral for loans. But now those are expanding. Now there's new ones of those that are competitors to the ones that started it. Um, it's just at, at every turn, there is a competitor because the upstart fee to start a business in this field is nothing. Like we started a company for NRN with no money and a year of no money, no problem because we don't have any overhead. We just want to make a business. We want to create these things and anyone can do it as long as they have the wherewithal or just the need their want to learn about it and learn and explore the ecosystem um, but yeah, find someone who can code and fire up a new idea. If you make a new idea, you know, there, the limit, there, there is no limit, right? These things are, you can pull up the Uniswap code, look at it, add another little bit into it. This is the new gimmick that gets more people. If it catches on, then you might have something in your hands where 
you might be the next Uniswap because you had a little invention that made it a little bit easier or streamlined a little bit more. There's just opportunities of business creation here. It's pretty much like ultra capitalism, realistically, like right. people who so, yeah, I would are think the only that, ones that innovate. Yes, I would think in listening to you that one of the big challenges in this arena, so this arena is I want to identify the major players or the sectors of crypto for whom vampirism would be a oh. viable to participate in. So one of the most important decisions that is I have to decide what I'm not going to put my attention on because you yeah. really gave me a laundry list of, hey, there's so much potential here with respect to this part of the crypto world and that part of the crypto world. So I would prioritize it to the degree that I could with respect to profitability and look at like the top so you have the mountaintop. I top take tiers, the top 20%. You know. I said, okay, now that is where I'm going to put my attention. And I'm going to write a program where I can track changes in liquidity, changes in customers, changes in users, and changes in volume. Those three kind of moving together such that I, can, I am alerted to those movements early enough that I can participate, I can be a player, I can make a move. And I think that I think that's worth money looking into yeah for sure and again so my thought process here is the next wave of kind of innovation is what something called zk rollups and that's like the new buzzword everyone's talking about and so zk stands for zero knowledge proof which is something that's been in mathematics for a very long time since the 80s or 90s and now with the computational power that we have at our disposal they're actually something that's real where essentially what i'm doing is if I'm sending you money and you're receiving it, here's the transaction proof. Like right now we have all of the data. This account received this much money at this date. Uh, and this much came from this other account previously. You see the whole kind of lineage of that entire transaction in the block, right? So that's how much it takes a lot more data. And if you have a zero knowledge proof, it's saying this account received this money and over here, we did all the math and everything. You just have to believe us, essentially, right? But they can prove that mathematically by saying, if so say I had a, a Where's Waldo page, and I'm saying, you find Waldo really quickly. Yes. And you're like, I don't see him. And I'm saying, trust me, I know where he is. Would you believe me? Would you believe that I know where he is right now? Like, it's up in the air, right? Right. But if I took another piece of paper covered over the top and only cut out a circle showing Waldo, then you'd be like, oh yeah, he does know where it is. There's Waldo right there. Uh -huh. I don't have to show you any of the other data I understand. that's necessary, but I can prove that Waldo is here, right uh -huh. there. Like you can see him in that circle. So essentially they've been able to cut out roughly 60 to 70% of the unnecessary data that can now be proved mathematically and still give you the correct answer and have way less data. So those new rollups, K rollups are going to be the next step in blockchain development where it saves so much space. It makes transactions cheaper. It makes them more speedier because there's more room for the block space to have more, more data, more transactions. So these are something that's going to be a big move in the next couple months, I think. Um, so the question so, is of the players in ZK rollupping, what exactly. are the fun, what are the fundamental and important differences among the players 
that exactly. re ultimately relate to performance variations. Performance and who See? does the best, like marketing wise. Like yes. you might have a better product, but it doesn't matter if you can't market it, right? Yes. So we've seen that with OpenSea. There's 10 competitors on that, yes. right? There's Looksphere, there's X2Y2, there's Gem, there's Genie. Uniswap bought a company to, bought Genie to make an OpenSea competitor, right? Built in. So you can trade crypto and NFTs all under Uniswap now. So that was a big move, right? So we've seen a ton of these things. And the one that gained so much traction was the one that incentivized users to show up. That is what we're seeing right now. And then on the ZK side, there is, I don't know, I can think of like 10, like, Polygon already is doing it. Their mainnet just launched for people to jump on to have the ZK rollups. <clears throat> uh -huh. That comes out in at the end of March. So we'll see a push there. Uh, Dusk is a company. Seller Network is a company that does the ZK. ZK Sync is another one that's big. Loop Ring is another one that's big. So finding the one that actually gains the most traction by like how you're talking about watching liquidity, who, you know, when these pop up. See, you can also, every, this is all viewable, right? You can use programs right. like Parsec or Nansen and sh these will show up and be like, they've garnered the most volume and liquidity on their platform in the shortest amount of time. They probably have mm -hmm. something going on or they have a better feel because again, like I can test all these products quickly, just how we were shopping for, uh, we're doing some liquidity. Oh, yes, uh, so we were doing some staking, yes. You know, some staking. Are we going to use Rocket Pool? Are we going to use... Leak Lido finance, are we going to stake with a provider? We could, in real time, it took me 25 minutes to find the best for us, right? Again, it's, these products are easy to use on the sense of, for, obviously for the power user, we, it's able to shift quickly and actually test out these things instead of making a new account and putting, depositing money for, take three days to deposit money. And then I can use the platform. I don't really like this platform. Let's withdraw the money, take three days. And then I go to the new platform, make a new account. Deposit money there takes three days to get me the money. So now it's like disconnect wallet. I didn't like that one. Open the new wallet. Open yep. the new. Don't have to make an account. F input it there. So again, again, just that the ease of which it happens will lend itself pretty quickly to see. And if you're actually watching the volume and, and the TVL and the actual price of these tokens, you'll see which ones are succeeding pretty quickly. That's. You just have to put in the time and research into them. But most of these things already have programs that already do this for you. You just got to pay attention and utilize. It's all well, the beauty of blockchain is there's infinite amount of data for you to parsec and look in parcel up and see what actually is viable and make your own dashboards and stuff like that. So it's incredible. <clears throat> yeah. Never ending source of fun for kip, crypto geek geekos. <laughs> It's heyday, right? You're all yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, thanks for bringing up the topic. It was a little trip down memory lane for me when you brought it up. And now I understand yeah. it a got lot all, better. Got as... you all pumped up over here. Yeah. Now you want a, a Coke over here, I'm sure. What your little... <laughs> I know you're a glass bottle guy. I know you are. <laughs> oh, gosh. But it, it is a very interesting company history. You think about it, it's essentially fizzy water with about eight tablespoons of sugar and a little syrup <laughs> <laughs> what a story <laughs> yeah we can uh, talk about that one other time the highly addictive nature of the oh, product yeah yeah i'm waiting for the article to be written is how coke created a nation of pre-diabetic pre individuals in their 20s <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> of actually having cocaine in it there so. right. well that, that's actually 
Correct. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, great chat as always. Yeah, uh, that's, that's great. the end for Old Dog New Tricks. We'll catch us another time. We're you know picking up a little bit more steam. We got we got John back in the seat, so we'll <laughs> we'll be some more episodes in the near future. Thanks Listen in and have a great day, everyone. Thanks for the invitation, Austin. Take care. <laughs> Bye.